Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Well, hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, and uh, we would like to welcome you all back to another episode of the program where we get an opportunity to go north, south, east, and west, all across this great land, and we get to interview some of the most amazing followers of Christ to learn how they're living out their faith in the marketplace, ranging from uh, entrepreneurs and startups to CEOs of major corporations and athletes and celebrities, and um, really what we're trying to do here is encourage you as a follower of Christ, because you're out in the marketplace every day uh, trying to live out your faith, trying to integrate work and faith and life, and that's what we're hoping to do is encourage you here at Bottom Line Faith. I'm your host, Ray Hilbert, of course, and we are excited today. We are in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic global crisis, and so we are recording this conversation via Zoom, just a little bit different technology than we normally use. I hope you all give us some grace on that, but I'm excited to welcome to the show Sue Warnke. Let me tell you just a little bit about Sue. You're going to love our conversation today. She is the Senior Director of Content and Communications Experience at Salesforce. That's just a part of what she does. We're going to learn about the other roles that God is calling her in leading faith initiatives at one of the largest companies on the planet. Sue, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, uh, I'm sitting in my home, literally, in Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, you are sitting where as we're talking right now? So I'm in a, a city called Pacifica, just south of San Francisco. Yes, and so uh, we were talking a little bit before we hit the record button, and you grew up somewhere other than San Francisco. Why don't you just kind of walk our listeners through a little bit of your personal journey, and what was it that, um, in your bio, it says here that you were a proud agnostic, and I want to hear more about the <laughs> but just tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in, in a town called Layton, Utah, which is was one of the most LDS cities in the world at the time, about 95% LDS or Latter-day Saints. Um, and, you know, my parents had gone to church when I was very little, but they had a falling out and kind of walked away. And so I was pretty much agnostic most of my life and um, very much an outsider in this very religious environment. And that kind of built up a wall around me about faith. I was sort of, in, in some ways, an outsider, and in other ways, the target of evangelism. <laughs> and so I really developed a very big wall uh, against religion and um, sort of pursued the gods of success. And mm -hmm. you know what? That works pretty well for a while. But I pursued education and, and um, got my master's, went to Colorado, um, got this amazing job at Salesforce, and in some ways was sort of sitting on my throne, looking out at this kingdom I had created. And about five years ago, 
I started to feel a void and, you know, I wasn't sure what that was about, but I went off kind of attempting to pursue it. And, and that led to my faith journey. Well, let, let's talk about that just for a moment. So it wasn't as if you grew up without some sort of faith background. In fact, as you've shared, there was quite a bit of it there, but maybe some of the experiences weren't so favorable or, you know, uh, what you would have hoped to have been. But what was it that triggered this discontent? What was there? Was there an event or was it just more of a gradual thing? What caused you to realize that something was missing? Yeah, you know, there wasn't anything dramatic. That's what was so sort of yeah. strange about it is that I merely accomplished so much. You know, I had good friends. I had this incredible job. I have this wonderful husband. I have three teenagers um, and I had everything essentially comfort. And yet I was frustrated. I was frustrated with my job, which is actually an amazing job. Um, and so I, I thought that it, I had to go fix that. I yeah. thought, well, then maybe it's my job. Maybe I need to go find a different job that's maybe more meaningful. So I actually did quit Salesforce oh. um, five years ago. Uh, and I was confident that this would be the solution to this void that I was feeling. I went off and I, I tried leadership development, which sounds very fulfilling, right? Like I'm going to go change these people's lives. And you know, it was great. And I was traveling around the world teaching leadership to fortune 500 companies. Um, but then suddenly I had to sell these classes and it turns out I was terrible at sales. And so really for the first time in my life, I kind of fell flat on my face in, in the job world and experienced real failure. I mean, to the dollar, right? I mean, I had a quota that I was just nowhere near. So it was just utter failure on the job. And then, um, you know, my, one of my kids was having some health problems. So I sort of felt like I could not uh, solve these things. You know, I pursued solution and in fact, I found failure. So that was just deeply humbling for me. And so, so it was in 2017 uh, that you made this uh, transition in your life. You had this personal encounter with Christ. Was there a friend? Was there a family member? What was it that really caused you or who was it that helped cause you to turn to Jesus to find this meaning and fulfillment that you had been pursuing, right, in job or career or what have you? Um, tell us about that. What, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, Jesus was really the last thing on my mind. I mean, even in the pits of my despair and hopelessness, I never thought of Jesus, never thought of God, ever. I remember, though, that I was in a hotel room in Virginia one night, really at the bottom of, of it all. And I didn't, I'm sure it was a prayer, but I didn't think of it as a prayer. And I just said, I give up. And I'd never said that before. And I, I really just meant like, I, I really, truly can't fix this. You know, I've, I've really exhausted everything. And it was not until I said that, that um, things started to, to happen very weirdly. Uh, you know, the first thing that happened is I, I got this medical uh, chart for my son. And at the very bottom of this long PDF was uh, from the doctor mentioned God. And, it, you know, it was just a light mention saying, like, in the midst of all this medical advice, don't forget that spirituality is also a healing agent. And normally that would have really frustrated me to see that. And for some reason, it was, it was very appealing. So appealing, I, I kept reading it over and over. And then other strange things happened. Suddenly, I wanted to listen to Christian music, which I had never wanted to listen to before. I used to sort of mock it almost. And... <laughs> 
I would put on my headphones and very secretly listen to Christian music and I couldn't stop listening to it. It was very drawn. And then I suddenly thought of my kid's old karate teacher from six years ago. And suddenly I remembered that he had invited me to church six years ago, which of course I laughed off at the time, but he came to my mind pure as day. I mean, his face exactly. And I pulled out my phone and I texted him sort of out of my own being. And I said, can I go to church with you? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I went and it was very beautiful. I was very confused, but it was beautiful. And I went, I was going on a business trip the next day. I went to Austin, Texas. And while I was unpacking my things, still very confused, this karate teacher texted me and said, Sue, I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to you today, which was a very big prayer. I didn't even understand it. Yeah, what does that mean, right? <laughs> it felt so beautiful. And I was drawn to that. And then it was just an hour later, out of the blue, my aunt called me and she said, nervously, Sue, this is going to sound weird, but I'm supposed to call you right now and tell you about God. And I just thought, you know what? I better listen to this. And it wasn't kind of what she was saying so much. I mean, she just sort of shared about Jesus in her life. But I very much felt in the presence of God. And I knew I had a decision. Either this is a crazy coincidence and I'm making it up, or this is true. There's really only those two options. And so I took a deep breath after just half an hour and I just said, Jean, I believe you. And we hung up and I fell to my knees in just tears and repentance for about three hours. And uh, my first, I was finally able to pray after that time, kind of looking back at my whole life, this life that I had taken credit for and realizing that it was this gift and that I had um, just, you know, dishonored God in, in taking credit. And, uh, and then my first prayer came to me and it was just two words and it was, I'm sorry. And that just kicked off uh, this entire life change. A few days later, I stumbled into my local church in Pacifica and I said, um, how do you give your life to Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> Five people came right around me and I said a very messy prayer and you know, it, God just blessed me blessed my life I, you know I, I very quickly was got an offer to come back to Salesforce and I had my mission I had my purpose and like the rest just has taken off well that that is such an encouraging and amazing story and you know just how God just kind of showed up and showed off but I'm curious before we move on Sue what was what was that like communicating to your husband to your kids like kind of help us understand that part of the story because that's a pretty big deal here yeah, to go from, you know, we, we'd always told our kids, nobody really knows the truth, believe whatever you want, you know, to go from that to I'm a born again Christian yeah. <laughs> was, was pretty concerning, actually, for the family. Yeah. So we yeah. had some, some pretty tough discussions for a while. And, you know, my husband's first reaction was, you know, who are these people? What have they done to my wife? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> But it led to some really good conversations. And, uh, you know, they, they're all on their different journeys. My sure. daughter um, converted and was baptized. And we all kind of, we all go to church and check it out and, you know, are at different stages. But, yep. uh, 
you know, we could qu pretty quickly see that this wasn't a scary thing, that actually I was a better mom, a better wife, um, that, that how it was working in my life was mostly about listening better, <laughs> about helping the homeless, about um, kind of lifting others. So once they could witness what this meant, what yes. it actually looks like, not what maybe the news portrays it as, they they were won over by that. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so awesome. So I'm, I'm so that's a fun. I mean, a fun story. It's an amazing story, and it's it's incredible. And I know to to our listeners as well. So let's talk then a little bit about uh, how God is using you. Uh, in the marketplace. For those uh, who may have heard the name Salesforce, but may not be familiar with the company, give us just a snapshot. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's the world's number one CRM or customer relationship management tool. So we help customers um, connect with, with their customers. Uh, we help them give a single view of their customer from sales to marketing to support. All right, very good. And so um, you have... Uh, uh, well, tell us about your actual role as the Senior Director of Content and Communications Experience. Let's understand that a little bit, and then I'd like to talk about uh, the role of the faith-based initiatives that you're involved with. But tell us about your, like, vocational career role. Sure, yeah. So what I get paid for. So in any kind of software company, it's really broken into two big categories. One is sales and marketing, getting the product out, and the other is building the product. So I'm on the building side in the technology area, and um, I lead technical writers who write developer guides and online help and videos, really all the instructions for how to use this tool, including, um, you know, online applications. All right, fantastic. And so um, you've got a couple of very unique and distinctive faith-based roles or, or entities or kind of networks or, you know, associations inside of Salesforce. Uh, where would you like to start with that? Tell us about that. Well, you know, I never really know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just know what, what God is asking me that day. And so, um, you know, right after I got my, an offer to come back to Salesforce, I remember I was in the back of the church cleaning up chairs and I feel like I, I had kind of the voice of God or I felt like I sort of received my calling, which was sort of simply, um, I need you to be bold. I have trained you well. <laughs> All of that training you thought was for you was actually for me and I, I want you to be courageous and so I felt that you know once I started back at Salesforce that I needed at first to kind of pull the Christians out of hiding yeah. and encourage them even though that would be scary so that was the first thing I did um, actually the first day I got my laptop I opened it up and I was dying of curiosity is there a Christian group already and that was the yeah. first thing I found and, and it was very dormant just a dozen people, and I posted, would anybody like to pray with me? <laughs> Which just, really, throw, just threw it out there. Just, yeah. just anybody like to pray. Okay. And I didn't, the, the thing that was so interesting is I didn't want to do it. I was scared to do it. I resisted it, but I knew that I was supposed to do it. So it was like a baby step that God was just simply very clearly asking me to do. And then nobody answered. Nobody responded for about two weeks, and it was pretty torturous because I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what do people think of me, and I can't take it down now, and they must think I, you know, I have no credibility, or, you know, all these, all these negative thoughts flooded me, but I kept it up, and then eventually a woman named Amanda replied, and she said, I would love to pray with you. 
And so the two of us found a conference room. Everybody could see in, but it didn't matter. We prayed. And in that moment, I knew that I could be myself. I could have this faith self and I could be my worst self and they could come together. And it was just this glorious moment. I'll never forget it. And you know that the next week there were three people and then there were five and then 10 and then other (laughs) cities started doing this and you know, Mexico, Brazil, London, we now have prayer meetings almost every day of the week somewhere and probably over 500 or 600 Christians who meet to to talk and pray pray and share scripture. So that that was totally unexpected, you know, just sort of being obedient. Um, and then and then this other organization started, which we can talk about too. But yeah, yeah. that was and I, and I want to get into that interfaith conversation and cross faith in just a moment. But as uh, did I did I catch you that you said there are several hundred now that are gathering. Um, do they do this online to pray? Do they do it like in small pockets and different offices around the world? What's that look like logistically? Yeah, so there are several hundred that are part of, you know, Christians at Salesforce. And most of them just consume the content that we post um, in chatter groups. We have this tool called Chatter, like Facebook. So we, we post devotionals every week from version, and yeah. people can respond there. People share pictures. Um, and then about three to four days a week, somewhere in the world, we'll have an online prayer meeting. Um, so they're all online. The one exception is um, Indiana meets in person because there's enough of a gathering there that they can just meet in person, but everything is online accessible. Uh, and so, yeah, I usually join the, there's one that is run at um, out of Texas on Wednesday mornings at 7.15 my time. I join that one and then I join our Friday one at noon. And it's just quick, you know, it's it's like a yeah. small fellowship, read some, read the Bible, talk about how it applies and pray. Yeah. And so, um, and we're, we're going to get into the, you know, the, or the cross, uh, inter, interfaith, uh, initiative in a moment, but have you had any, um, pushback? Have you had any criticism or anybody who has come up against, uh, this, um, you know, Christians at Salesforce movement in, internally? Has, has any of that happened? And if so, what was that like? Yeah, I would say no to that. You know, I think yeah. we, we feared that. I think yeah. it, it was so dormant for so long. People were worried about that. And we yeah. sort of assumed that it wouldn't be allowed and assumed that um, people would think terrible things of Christians. And um, the way we went about it is we, we, we wrote up a vision statement. And we call it a V2 mom. That's our planning documents. But it's a vision, values, and, the, you know, just like any kind of planning doc, we wrote it up, like who we are and who we aren't. Um, as if, you know, to say, don't worry. <laughs> we're, not, we're not here as a proselytizing engine. We are not here to go push our faith on other people. We're really here to pray um, and to do service projects and, and, and learn the Bible and, and talk about the Bible together. Um, and so we, we kind of wrote that up. We, we shared that with the leaders at Salesforce, the HR and diversity yeah. leaders. Yeah. They, you know, one, is this okay? <laughs> Does this align with your vision and values? And, you know, <clears throat> just want to keep you in the loop. Yeah. And also we shared our stories. You know, I met with the, one of the top diversity leaders and I just said, um, I, I want you to know that people are meeting for prayer and they're worried about it. <laughs> and that stunned him. You know, he, he, he didn't like to, to know that people were afraid or worried. 
um, that's not the culture he, he wanted. So, uh, you know, he highly encouraged us to not feel that way and to be open about it. And so we, uh, you know, we used to call our meetups, I think just meetup because it shows up on your calendar, you know, and very quickly we're like, okay, well, let's take a baby step of faith and, and call it Christians at Salesforce meetup and nothing bad happened. And in fact, you know, <laughs> that way and, you know, it's just so funny to me how we build up this wall that yeah. actually, it, I think it's there. I do think it's there, but I think it's paper thin. Mm. And I think I can kind of blow it away with an, a sincere question, with um, honesty, authenticity, just saying, you know, hey, this is my thought. What do you think? Is this yeah. okay? Yeah. You know, and opening up that dialogue. So, uh, it's totally fine. And now we have Muslims at Salesforce and six at Salesforce and um, we have a Jewish group and it's all fine. It's all great. You know, it's, it's nothing that we needed to even worry about. Yeah. And we're going to get to that. Just, I just got one more question. I want to go back to that moment. You talked about, um, you know, you threw out that first piece of communication, inviting others to join you. And it just kind of hung there for a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. Anyone really respond? I think you said her, your, your first, uh, Friend was Amanda, I think you, you mentioned uh -huh. the name, right? So what I'd like to do, Sue, is I, um, let's say that there's somebody listening to this conversation right now, and they have felt a tug on their heart. They have felt God prompting them to do something about living out or sharing their faith in the marketplace. But for whatever reason, they've just not done that. They've just not taken that step. So as someone who took that very first, very frightening step, right, and now a global movement inside your company, Bert, yeah. what advice or encouragement would you have for somebody who's listening to this and saying, what should I do about this? What word of encouragement would you give for them? Yeah, I think it, it really is about figuring out what God wants of you. So some of us are A-types and we like to achieve and accomplish things, right? So we think, oh, well, then I have to go start a Christian group at my company or a faith group at my company. And, and maybe, yes, maybe not, you know, figure out what God is asking of you. You know, yeah. your com companies are at vastly different places, you know, in terms of their readiness to, to talk about faith for really legitimate reasons. Like we have to be empathetic to what your leaders, what our leaders deal with. It's not easy to talk about faith and it's not because they hate us. <laughs> it's really legitimate why this is risky. Um, so figure out where your company's at with that. Figure out mostly what God is asking of you. He may not be asking you to go post, can, can, I, can you pray for me? He may be asking you to go into a meeting with the goal of loving the other person and, and making them feel Jesus's love rather than getting your proposal accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe asking you to form a, a volunteer event that it partners with a Christian organization or, you know, it, it, there's a, there's like 10 or 15 different first steps. He could just be asking you to actually wear your cross for the first time at work or to start talking about your faith in a way that at least outs you. So I would say the very first thing is to certainly listen to God, really try to understand. He rarely expects us to to you know leap mountains it's usually a baby step because he knows what we're kind of ready for yeah uh, and then just do it I love <laughs> whatever it. it is just do it um he will bless it he will bless it times 10 yeah and i can't imagine in your wildest dreams you ever thought that one 
first initial email would become what it's become. Is that, is that fair to say? Oh, completely, completely. <laughs> I knew that there were, there must have been Christians like hiding and feeling scared. So I thought, well, we could at least get into a room and, and pray together, you know, at least like five of us. That would be so great. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now it's just hundreds. Well, you know, and we'll move on. But I was just thinking we're, we're, we're sure, you know, just past the Easter season as we're recording this. And I was reflecting on this, even as I was listening, is that, you know, that first Easter morning, the, the disciples, they're, they're hunkered down, you know, much like we are in this global pandemic. They're saying, you know, you got to stay safe and, you know, stay away. From That's the way the first disciples were, right? Right up on Jesus's crucifixion. They were in fear that their lives were going to be taken as a follower of Christ. And so, and slowly, you know, they start going out and boom, you know, then this global explosion of Christianity has, has uh, obviously been the result of that. So it's Zechariah 4, folks. It says, do not despise the day of humble beginnings. And that's what Sue is walking us through is those early days. And so now there's hundreds and hundreds of Christ followers meeting um, weekly and regularly online and face-to-face -face, you know, throughout Salesforce, celebrating and encouraging one another in their Christian faith. Now, you've got another fairly substantial, well, very substantial movement that God has uniquely positioned you in that's not just Christ-centered, but it's more of an interfaith or cross-faith. Tell us a little bit about that and your role there. Yeah, so, you know, right about the same time I was, uh, you know, talking to the other Christians at Salesforce, I was thinking, we, we have to really go to the top here. We have to, we shouldn't be just forming these secret groups at the bottom. That is important. But I, I started to, to search and say, is, you know, we talk a lot about equality here and diversity and bring your full authentic self. Well, for me and for many others, faith is by far the most important part of our identity. When you ask, you know, how would you describe yourself? For me, I, I would say Christian far sooner than I would say a woman or any, anything about my background. For mm -hmm. me, it is absolutely faith. And, uh, 90%, you know, I mean, hugely like not even, not, not just kind of, it's not a hobby, you know? <laughs> and right. so, um, you know, what about those people? Then maybe there's only 5% of us or 10% of us, but what about them? Can they bring their full authentic selves or do they have to check that out the door and feel afraid and ashamed and worried? Um, and when someone asks them, what did you do over the weekend? Have to think about what do I say? You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's the yeah. lowest productivity, morale and people actually leave. And so I started to research and found out that there were these couple trailblazers that had already started this conversation um, at the top with, with our official Office of Equality and our, um, our employee resource group organization. And so they had already kicked it off and gotten approval actually for a group that's now called Faith Force. And that is a, an employee resource group, and it is multi-faith. Um, I always have to, when I talk to Christians, I very quickly have to say, but don't worry, because I think when Christians hear that, they think that it's a, a belief system. It's because some people use that to describe like an interfaith belief system, which essentially says all faiths are basically the same and, you know, so many commonalities, which is not at all what this is. When we say interfaith or, or um, cross-faith, it's really organizational. It's really just, hey, when we do philanthropy and education, um, let's, let's learn about each other's different backgrounds too. So what it does is it, it, it magnifies what you can do when you kind of come together and do it together. You know, 
we could we in fact just this morning we had our our global easter info session through faith force not through christians at salesforce if, if christians at salesforce put on an easter event it would very much ring that this is for christians right but if course puts on an Easter event it's it really is truly for everybody and it was fascinating we had people of all different faiths from all yeah. over the world asking questions like well uh, what do you think about Jesus and, and what does you know what does this mean and why do you take communion um, and, and what what is Holy Week you know asking good questions that just wouldn't happen if this were an ex for a Christian event only. So it's, it puts people in proximity and yeah. just, just blasts open the door of conversation. Um, that has become the fastest growing employee resource group in Salesforce history. It has over wow. 3,500 members. Uh, it has tremendous publicity is, is reported on and, you know, big uh, newspapers all over the world. You know what? What's really so fun and so awesome about that, Sue, is that uh, for someone who is an authentic follower of Christ and mature in their faith, they're the least threatened of anyone to have those cross-cultural and cross-faith conversations because we know the answer that the Bible has for every question. And mm -hmm. Not that we fully understand what God's ways up to, but we know that the Bible does have that those answers that you're talking about, what happens after we die, and where is the dividing line of of you know who who's considered a follower or not, and and why do bad things happen, and all those things, and and we shouldn't be intimidated by that. So I actually love and, and encouraged that uh, that that's going on. So what what kinds of um, uh, activities, what kinds of functions, what kinds of things does that faith force group do together? Yeah, so we really have three pillars. One is celebration, so we, we celebrate all of the major holidays, and, and we do it together, you know, like for um, Sukkot, the Jewish holiday of Sukkot, um, we got together, all faiths got together, and we yeah. built an outdoor sukkah uh, in Salesforce Park, the first ever um, official uh, sukkah in a public space in San Francisco, and it was huge, and thousands of people came from all over San Francisco to see this thing and ask questions, like, what is a sukkah? And I could, you know, I, ha I had to learn, too, but uh -huh. I could say, yeah. well, you know, it's this, it's this structure, and it's intentionally incomplete, you know, these openings in the roof, that's because we have to rely on God. It's not all about us, and, you know, and I talked about, you know, being in the desert, the Israelites in the desert, yeah. Yeah. It was so beautiful, and that never would have happened if it was just like the Jewish group at Christian, or, you know, Jews at, at Salesforce putting that on. So we do these huge celebrations. We, we get together with our Muslim friends, and we help them put on Eid, which is the big festival after, after a month of fasting during Ramadan, which is coming up. Um, that's one. Another pillar is philanthropy, and that is, you know, these huge volunteer events um, in San Francisco I bring hundreds of people to our, the inner city of San Francisco and the poorest district, and we serve the homeless. And for me, uh, we, we partner with a Christian group, and we also partner with a Jewish group. For me, it, it's really where people can see, from my perspective, what Jesus really looks like and what he, who he really was, and he cared about the forgotten. I love it. And, and God's really allowed you the opportunity to speak um, about faith in Silicon Valley uh, to many organizations, right? Maybe just give us a snapshot of some of the opportunities uh, that you've had to share your faith and living out your faith uh, in, in the, the tech world. Yeah, it's, it's so cool that 
that God is letting me do this because he trained me at, in training, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> was, was training and public speaking. And, and I thought it was for me and it wasn't actually, it was all for him. So, um, so praise God for that. You know, it all started just, I was allowed to share my testimony in a really small group of like around a campfire. <laughs> and that was just shocking to me. And I thought, wow, you know, people care about my story. And I think the fact that it's, I'm a late in life convert and the fact that I'm in, you know, the fairly unreligious area of San Francisco makes it an appealing story. Yeah. Um, so I, I share at churches, I'll, I'll share with uh, Christian organizations like Crew and InterVarsity at their conferences. Um, and then my favorite really, though, is, is sharing at multi-faith events, yes. uh, you know, really where I think that's, there's a lot of, of Christian conferences out there. Um, I don't think I'm moving the needle quite as much when I speak to that population as I do when I really talk to HR and diversity and inclusion leaders to say, you know, this isn't so scary. Consider allowing faith into your organizations and the, the business benefit to you is out outrageous. And if I can help launch a faith group at, at a company, that to me is, is monumentally influential um even more than than encouraging christians which is also a very important calling but i think there's a lot of people doing that yeah and uh so as i'm thinking about this uh sue one of the things that i i love about what god is apparent you know as far as i can tell doing and as far as this integration of faith and business is even technology like what you and i are doing right now having this conversation via zoom you are looking into my home. This is where I live, right? And so just the physical environment, there's an integration of you into my world because you're looking in my personal study. And so even technology and the changes and the way we're doing work these days is setting the table, right, for more of an integration of the real person, the authentic person, as you said earlier. And I love that. And what a perfect stage that God is setting for us because it's not the old days of just leave work at at, at uh, work and leave home at home. It is all encompassing, and you're seeing God use that, right? That's what you're seeing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that was my takeaway during all of this um, sheltering in place. Is this is sort of what we've been saying for the past two to three years with Faith yeah. Force? Is um, there's a big benefit when you can just be yourself and you can bring your whole self to work uh, and and you don't have to keep part of it at the door, you know? It's yeah. actually really wonderful when I see somebody's small child run into the frame <laughs> and I realize like, oh, they're just like me. And uh, oh, they, it's hard, you know? It's not so easy yeah. all the time and, and we're yeah. not perfect. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's really pretty cool in the same way that, you know, I can, I can actually stand up and, and tell a story about my faith in a company yeah. meeting and, and, yeah. and very quickly people are completely fine with it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, as long absolutely. as I'm not boring and cringy and all right. these things that, sure. that we will be anyway, hopefully. In yeah, business. absolutely. And I'm really thrilled because I've been praying this entire time, my two dogs, that they wouldn't be barking while we're recording this. So, so far that, that prayer. So we have just a, a Gosh, our time has gone by so fast. We have just a couple of moments left here. But what I'd like to do is uh, I got a couple of questions I, uh, that I love to ask at the end of each one of my conversations. And I'd like you to maybe go back to um, 
if you had a chance to sit across the table from the 20, 21 year old version of you, and if you could yeah. get her to listen to you, <laughs> what advice would you give 20, 21 year old Sue? Well, you know, this is such a terrible answer, and I'm sure you hear it all the time that I wouldn't change anything. But, you know, as I think about it, God has a plan. He's got yeah. this all worked out. It really had to happen just as it did for this to be what it is today. And I look at my life and I feel such grace with it and such forgiveness and it and, and what has struck me is it's it's the story of God in my life mm -hmm. that is resonating with people. It's not my accomplishments or my seminary degree, you know, that I don't have, but <laughs> my imaginary one. Um, it is really the uh, the details of of that struggle, and so I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, uh, I, I can, from my, my vantage point, I can see exactly to your point how God has set you up perfectly. You're just winsome. You're very encouraging. You're very uplifting. And I, I just bet that people want to talk to you on a regular basis about your faith. You're not perfect. I get that. None of us are. But it, it, like you said, it's not a hobby. It's genuinely you. And you, you're allowing people to see inside. I've gathered that just in our conversation today. So I, I'm, that's really cool. That is really cool. So last question. And for our regular listeners, they know I ask this at every conversation. It's always my last question. I call it my 423 question. And it's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where Solomon writes that above all else, guard your heart for from it flows all of life. So as we wind down our conversation today, I'd like you to kind of fill in the blank for us. Um, what's that one piece of advice you'd like to leave our audience with? Above all else? Yeah, uh, it, it's tough because the, these two words go together. It's really a two-step process. So I would say above all else, listen and obey. So I have my life verse up on my wall next to me, and it's from Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you look to the left or to the right, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. We have to listen. He'll tell us exactly where to go. He'll tell us when to turn. He'll tell us when to stop, right? Um, it has nothing to do with what we want to do and what we are, think we're equipped to do and what our ambitions are. It's just completely what he, where, when to turn and how, and, and, and then to actually do it, right? He says, walk in it. <laughs> way, just walk, just step. You know, I'm not telling you to win the marathon. I'm telling you to just pivot and step come on, you know, so I feel like uh, that would be above all else, just remove the burden of accomplishment and pray, wake up and pray and look at your calendar with God and say, okay, what am I supposed to do today for you? I work for you. What do I do? You know, wait, he'll tell you something to do and just do it. I love that. I'm writing that down. Remove the burden of accomplishment. Amen. God's teaching us that. <laughs> that now is we we're all sheltered in. It's like everything's been stripped away, and He's saying, "Focus your eyes on Me." Well, 
I just I thank you so much for being our guest here at Bottom Line Faith today. And I know, I know this in my spirit. God is going to use this conversation today to encourage thousands of our listeners all around the country. And so I just I, thank you. This has been so cool. And I appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you. Praise God. Have a good one. Well, folks, what an amazing an encouraging and uplifting conversation that we've just had with Sue Warnke. Sue is the Senior Director of Content and Communications Experience at Salesforce, one of the largest plant, uh, companies, uh, certainly in America, but also on the planet with tens of thousands of employees. Wasn't that great to just learn her journey, how just a few years ago she came to Christ, she was an agnostic and God brought her to himself and how now he's positioned her with one act of obedience sending out an email that now there are hundreds and thousands of employees in that company who are expressing their Christian faith because Sue was obedient to what God called her to do. Hey, listen, if you'd like to learn more about Sue and follow her, she's got a great blog that she writes regularly online. You can learn more about that at Leanership. That's Leaner, L-E-A-N-E-R-S-H-I-P.org leanership.org. You can follow Sue. She's one of the leading uh, followers of Christ influencing the Silicon Valley and the tech world. And we hope that you've been encouraged by our conversation. That's what we're about here at Bottom Line Faith is to encourage you to live out your faith every day in the marketplace. Hey, we're still sheltered in here during COVID-19, but we pray that you'll continue to check out the program, pass along. We all need encouragement in this tough time. So uh, pass along the interviews that we do here at Bottom Line Faith to your friends and your family and encourage them. We're in a new day of living out our faith in the marketplace. So until next time, I am your host, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to live out your faith every day at work. God bless. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.